This is Todd Summerfeld. I'm a sales agronomist for CHS in Crookston, Minnesota. We are pleased to bring you the update from the Red River Farm Network, CHS Ag Services, providing solutions for your success. Good afternoon, farm news on the Red River Farm Network. I'm Don Wick on the go with a Prairie Grains Conference underway in Grand Forks, buzzing with activity. We have a keynote address from Endon Director Dale Richardson at the top of the hour. Breakout sessions going on, trade show, great crowds today here at Prairie Grains. We had a chance to catch up with James Callan, Associates President, James Callan, who represents North Dakota Grain Growers Association in Washington. With a lot on this congressional calendar and the continuing resolution for agricultural appropriations expiring in mid-January, Callan says it is going to be a challenge to meet that deadline. Oh, it's, it's going to be tough, Don, to your point. There's a lot happening other issues beyond the farm bill you got defense authorization as you said you got the appropriations you got FAA FISA I think has to be reauthorized as well the two track on the appropriations I think complicates matters in terms of the in terms of the farm bill because it's floor time that needs to be done if that becomes problematic and there's a big fight over that um, that's going to make it more difficult for the farm bill to get done in my opinion there's a lot of groups, including folks here at this meeting, that, that would like to see that farm bill done in the first or maybe second quarter to avoid election year politics. Uh, how big of a lift is that? I think it's a significant lift, but there is time to get it done. I think they have probably until the end of the first half of the year, so the end of June would be the time frame. Beyond that, it's going to be difficult. They're out for August. They'll be out early for the elections, so they're only in town so much time. I would like to add that I did uh, meet with Chairman of the House Ag Committee, G.T. Thompson, and I asked him about his previous uh, sentiment, which was to hold off on a farm bill until the appropriations process had cleared itself. He's now saying, no, he's no longer going to wait for that, and he wants to move, and he wants to introduce a chairman's mark in January with the idea of getting floor time in February, but he's only going to do it if he has the floor time scheduled. So he has to work with the leadership to have that done. Of course, crop insurance remains a priority. We've been working with uh, Senator John Hoven on a, on a crop insurance proposal that he is intending to uh, introduce that would help producers provide additional premium support in high-risk areas, including North Dakota and also other states, Texas as well, that would benefit. Now, the idea is that perhaps that could become part of the farm bill. Reporting from the Prairie Grains Conference, Grand Forks, I'm Don Wick on the Red River Farm Network. Minnesota Soybean Growers Association President Bob Worth says ERP payments are still projected to be much lower than what they had been previously. The way it stands right now, unless you are an underprivileged uh, farmer, uh, you will get about 10% of what you were supposed to get. I mean, the ERP program, you know, when it started back as WIP many years ago, was a good program. I mean, it figured out, and you got about 75% because they didn't want to run out of money. And everybody thought that this year was going to be the same as it was in 2021 and all the other years. But they decided to change their mind, and it's only uh, 10% for the uh, not underprivileged farmer. Worth also says he hopes to see more emphasis on expanded crop insurance rather than ad hoc disaster programs in the next farm bill. For one reason, you get it the same year that you have a disaster. And that's really important because why wait two, three years to get your funding where you could give it to the bank and stop interest and make yourself whole again? 
and that's something that has to be done. If if our uh, House and Senate Ag Committees would take take a look at that, what they spend at ad hoc, and put that into the crop insurance, they could have a really nice uh, uh, federal crop program. North Dakota Grain Growers Association President Ed Castle says the grain growers continue to work on their issues in Washington, D.C. The uh, pesticides is always a, a forefront and, and working, uh, trying to get a better handle around this uh, herbicide action plan, uh, continue to work with that. Uh, Farm Bill, of course, uh, seems like it's kind of a bit of a pause, but there's going to be some news coming out here shortly on some crop insurance provisions that we're really uh, excited about. So um, that's been a focus of us trying to be able to get a better um, coverage rate, I guess, buy a higher coverage rate at a better price. So um, that'll be something that we're going to continue to push in through the next season and get, get it through this Farm Bill. Sure. WOTUS and H2A are other areas of attention. We're watching it. Um, it seems like it's a revolving door on, on regulations. Um, you know, the, the labor thing is, uh, is, uh, is also an item that we're, we're looking at with Department of Labor classifying uh, H2A workers and, and the impact uh, how that has on farms. Demand for spring wheat is increasing as end users look for higher quality. North Dakota Wheat Commission Administrator Neil Fisher is seeing increasing demand for spring wheat. And is super good right now. And we're, we're finding ourselves as the, the fastest selling class of wheat in the United States going into the foreign market and pretty doggone solid in the, in the domestic market as well. So we've got a lot of things to be thankful for. So we're, we're, we're week on week, we're, we're adding up, and you know, and we, we have some, some private sector business in some of the places that are not so fun to play in right now, and so I think that's, uh, that's a good thing for us as well. And we do rather well in Mexico, where you know there's some other issues on corn and that sort of thing, but, but wheat has been very strong there and growing every year, so that's, that's, that's a good thing for us too. North Dakota also has representation on the leadership team of the U.S. Wheat Associates. One of the executive officers right now is our own Jim Pellman, who's our chairman, who is uh, just starting through the chairs there. We don't do that very often, but when we do, it's, it's a wonderful thing because we get, have somebody right at the table at the top end. I'll double that down a little bit with the fact that we've got some new federal money on, on uh, market development that's going to be moving through, we hope, a five-year program that will help embellish our FMD and MAP programs that are the match monies that, that allow us to do our job overseas at U.S. Wheat Associates and so on, and I know we've talked about that before, but this is the, that's our, our, uh, our springboard for, for success yep. in the world market. While Western sanctions remain in place with Russia, Brazil is increasing its business with Moscow. Russian exports to Brazil, which mostly is fertilizer and oil, is up 13%. In the first quarter of 2023, Brazilian exports to Russia rose more than 38%. Soybeans and beef represented most of that business. The Brazilian ambassador to Russia said the Western sanctions provided a window of opportunity for his country, and they're ready to expand this trade relationship. You're listening to the Red River Farm Network. Thursday Farm News on the Red River Farm Network. Logistics continues to be a challenge as fertilizer supplies get replenished for spring. Stonex Director of Fertilizer Josh Linville says phosphate prices are also a major concern. As I look at urea and potash, both of those are actually fairly aggressively priced, especially when we look at them versus grain values. UAN's okay. It's not fantastic, but it's not nearly as bad as some of the other ones. Anhydrous is still elevated, and phosphate's the name. I mean, that's the one a lot of people are talking about. That price is historically high versus grains high versus the world high. It's, that is a big, big number right now. 
Linville says a couple of things are driving phosphate prices higher. One is fear that China will limit exports. That situation was worsened by the recent change in countervailing duties. There was hope that Morocco would start coming. That number was dropped from nearly 20% all the way down to 2.12%. Unfortunately, and I feel like I'm only ever given bad news, but we really don't believe they're going to come back at 2.12%. They want 0%. And if they start bringing in a lot of product at 2.12%, they're effectively saying, this number works for us. We can, we can work with this, and there's no need to keep working on it. But if they don't bring anything... The powers of B can sit there and look at it and say this market's extremely tightly supplied. We're not getting anything from Morocco at 2%. We need to get rid of it. So that fight continues. The crude oil market has been sliding lower currently, trading in that $70 per barrel range. Summit Commodities market analyst Tim Marsh says keep an eye on your fuel needs. Crude oil is uh, continuing to slide on fears of you know, slowdown of world demand, but the U.S. government sold 180 million barrels of oil out of the government, out of the Strategic Petroleum Reserve uh, when the pandemic hit you know, in an attempt to keep the price of, I guess it was when the war started in Ukraine, um, to keep the price under control uh, at that time. Well, that dropped the, the, the Strategic Oil Reserve from about 600 million barrels down to recently as low as about 360. Marsh doesn't see crude oil prices sliding a whole lot further. The government's trying to buy back a little bit at a time, and their buyback price is in the 60, uh, $67 to $72 range. We are firmly into that range right now. Uh, I think it might be a good time to book fuel if, for the spring if you haven't, at least book some. Uh, if the U.S. government's buying it here and they've got a lot to buy, uh, we may not go a lot lower regardless of the, of the current uh, attitude toward the market. Northland Community College farm business management instructor Betsy Jensen says she has seen farmers shy away from prepaying for inputs this fall with increased interest rates compared to recent years. Interest rates, I think farmers are becoming a lot more aware of them. Uh, we haven't operated with high interest, and, and I'm, this isn't even high. Um, you know, it's more of a, a middle interest. Uh, but a lot of guys are postponing some prepayments. Uh, most companies have not increased their prepayment discount. Um, so the cost of the money is being offset, uh, you know, is offsetting all of your tax savings. So there actually has been quite a few farmers that have changed their plans a little bit and are not doing the amount of prepays that they used to. Jensen encourages producers to use deferred contracts strategically. There are ways to correct unforeseen changes. If you make a mistake on your tax planning, that money can actually be brought back into 2023. But it has to be done on a contract-by-contract basis. So don't have one giant deferred payment contract. Maybe you want to have five smaller ones. Something else that comes into play is the QBI, the 199 deduction that farmers get from co-ops. Sometimes those are larger than we expect as well. So then maybe their taxable income is lower than what they were hoping for. Right? I know no one wants to pay taxes, but sometimes you need to have that balancing act. Those deferred payment contracts, if needed, you can pay taxes on those in 2023, even though you don't take the income until January. Looking ahead to the next Minnesota legislative session, Minnesota Farmers Union Government Relations Director Stu Lowry says lawmakers will have some tough budget decisions. Um, last week, state budget officials, forecasters came out with an updated um, uh, forecast and, and kind of the upshot, which, which frankly, you know, we anticipated coming out of last session, but 
um, there's going to be significantly um, less money to work with uh, this session. Lori says the historic $17.6 billion budget surplus in Minnesota will go away. You're listening to the Red River Farm Network. Welcome to Inside Agriculture on the Red River Farm Network. Red Lake County, Minnesota farmer Michaela Tabert spoke at the Prairie Grains Conference about a five-year cover crop trial they've been working on. The Tabert farm has practiced no-till for several years and continues to experiment with cover crops, trying to figure out the right formula. We're still playing with what, what the perfect cover crop system is in some of our our crop rotation, I mean, it's very easy to plant a cover crop after wheat harvest. That, that's, that's pretty easy, but, but the row crops, it's a little bit harder. I mean, obviously, they're harvested when it's frozen, and so we're, we're trying to do some interseeding of cover crop. Um, we've had some swings where we've hit, hit and done well, and we've had some misses, and still definitely tweaking that system. Um, we have cattle, so the, the grazing aspect um, helps that cash flow a lot easier. Tabert says making cover crop decisions doesn't necessarily focus just on yield increases. Some of it ends up being what your goals are, and our operations goals is to limit some of our inputs and, and really we're, we're farming for profit more than we are for yield. Um, um, yeah, cover crops are an expense for sure, but we've seen through the use of the cover crops and the diverse crop rotation that we've been able to kind of back off on some of our fertility inputs and our, our chemical inputs as well. Plus, like I said, we have the bonus of grazing livestock on that. Taking a look at markets before we leave you, Minneapolis, March wheat three higher at 716 and a quarter, May three and a half higher at 726 and a quarter. Chicago wheat nine and a quarter higher at 614 and a half. Kansas City two and a quarter higher at 634 and a quarter. March corn uh, unchanged here at 4.79 and three quarters. July also unchanged at 5.01 and three quarters. January soybeans trading five higher at 13.12 and a half. March soybeans four higher at 13.30 and a quarter. Soybean meal a dollar fifty a ton higher at 4.03.70. Canola in Winnipeg down six dollars seventy cents a metric ton at 6.53.60. Live cattle futures, 67 cents higher for February. Lean hogs, $3.75 higher. This is the Red River Farm Network.